Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back. 10 Minutes of Modern here on the 26th of December. It is the day after Christmas. You guys missed me for 24 hours. I let you go for Christmas. I felt it was uh, necessary to spend the time with my family, but I'm back. I'm here talking to you about the best game in the world, Magic the Gathering, and of course the best format in the world, Modern Format. I'm Ben Bateman. I co-host the Collected.Company podcast, The Masters of Modern, and today I'm going to talk to you about this weekend's Modern Challenge. Now, the Modern Challenge is not a high-stakes, very prestigious tournament, but it is the best example of modern results over the weekend that we have on this Christmas week. Um, and it was an interesting one. I looked at the top 16. Hats off to Hagen Kirk for always posting the link in the Facebook group, which you guys can go find now. Once again, congratulations to everybody in the contest who won Foil Staples. Those will be getting sent out this week. And otherwise, let's talk about the uh, tournament, guys. So big takeaways from the Modern Challenge this last weekend online were that two different Jeskai decks were in the, in the top two. The tournament was won by Jeskai Control, uh, winning narrowly over Jeskai Geist. Um, decks that are intrinsically very similar in the sense that they're playing three-color mana bases with some number of colonnades, uh, your, your control cards, your bolts, your helixes, all those things. The big differences being basically that one of them is much heavier on the control side, the other one is a little more tempo-centric. So while one of them will play three or four Cryptic Command, uh, the more tempo version will play two Cryptic and something like two Spell Snare. Um, not totally surprising, but just kind of that's the nature of these Jeskai decks. And as we've talked about, there are a lot of them, and the versions that are playing Spell Quellers, the versions that are playing Geists, to the versions that aren't playing either, to the versions that are mostly just trying to win with Snapcasters. There's all kinds of different ones. So first and second place, we're there. Um, coming in, other interesting decks that were showing up in the top eight for this tournament, we had third place go to a... Uh, I'm just scrolling back here, but I believe third place in this tournament went to Grixis Death's Shadow. Take that back. It was Black Green. Uh, Black Green Rock, this is the deck that we've seen now show up for quite a long time. Multiple, three, sometimes even four main deck ghost quarters. Um, this particular build is playing a Traverse the Ulvenwald package, but it's only playing one in the main. But the sideboard is made up of almost entirely one-ofs, uh, and to support it, you know, you've got something like uh, three Lilies, and you've got two Mishra's Bobbles, and you know, a tireless tracker, and it, it's it's not that far from what we've seen in the black green decks. It's just trying to employ that technology. Uh, fourth place, we had a an a Grixis deck. This one playing four copies of Snapcaster, one Torrential Cure Hulk, and a Vendillion Click. Um, interesting. We had two copies of Consume the Meek. That's the instant speed five drop that destroys all creatures with power three or less, or converted mana cost three or less. It's some instant speed wrath that's just mediocre. But they're playing multiple copies here. Uh, fifth place in this tournament, we had Grixis Shadow. I think there's like four or five copies of Grixis Shadow that showed up in the top 16. Um, so that is interesting. The Ponza deck showed up in sixth place. Ponza's a sweet deck. It's definitely a lot of fun. This is, for those that don't know, the deck that is playing like super, super spicy four drops with things like four Arbor Elf, two Birds of Paradise, and uh, of course it, it is playing the four Utopia Sprawl. So the idea being that with four Blood Moon and four Utopia Sprawl on turn two, your Arbor Elf can untap the land you cast the Utopia Sprawl on and generate four mana on turn two, which then allows you to like Acid Moss on turn two, or play a Chandra on turn two. There's a lot of really, really powerful stuff you can do for four mana in this deck. It's a good deck. Pretty fair, super explosive, um, really, really fun. Seventh place in this tournament, we had another Grixis Shadow deck, nothing interesting there. And in eighth place, we had Affinity, pretty classic Affinity. This is the red version playing four Galvanic Blast. Um, so that's the top eight of this tournament. Coming in in the back half of it, interesting things to pay attention to would be a couple more copies of Death Shadow. The 10th place deck is by far the most interesting, and I will come to you guys later talking about that 10th place deck because it is a very cool deck. This is blue-black, as foretold, uh, Living End. So what's cool about this is you've got 
two copies of Architects of Will, four Curator of Mysteries, that's the four, four, four for four Flying Sphinx that cycles for one, four Stripe Riverwinder, that's the five, five hexproof thing that cycles for one, and then four Street Wraith. Now you've got four Ancestral Vision, four Living End, two Serum Visions, four Cryptic, four Remand, two Supreme Will. Supreme Will, for those that don't remember, is that three mana mana leak that also can basically index the top of your library if you wanted to. But this is not playing any of the Jund-colored um, Living End cards. So what's really cool about this deck is that you are casting... You're casting... Uh, what's it called? Living End off of As Foretold almost exclusively. Or you're just playing the creatures. Because playing a 4-4 flyer for 4 in this deck is like fine. It's a control card. Um, pretty interesting deck. Otherwise, guys, the rest of the top 16 was not super, super crazy. You had a copy of Storm in there. You had another copy of Jund. Uh, this one playing some Rabble Masters. You had some... Uh, more death shadow a couple copies of burn so that's what we're paying attention to this top 16 stay tuned later i'm going to break down that blue black deck a little bit more further for you guys thanks for listening it's 10 minutes of modern here on anchor talk soon guys all right guys what's going on welcome back 10 minutes of modern here on a tuesday night just got back from seattle was traveling for christmas enjoyed seeing the family back at home in my place thinking about magic and i posted earlier today about the uh, modern challenge 10th place deck over the weekend the blue black living in deck and i wanted to expound on it just a little bit more here because i think it's a really interesting deck and i think there are things to be said about it um it's an idea that's just starting to pop up i had seen people toy around with mono blue living end because you don't actually have to cast obviously the card living end for black mana um i think that this is pretty much mono blue living end um the only black in the deck really is in the sideboard, it's in some of the lands, it's in like the cards you're playing, but the cards you're playing aren't actually played for black mana. So it's it's really mono blue. So I'll give you guys exactly what I'm talking about. On paper, the deck looks like it's blue black. It's playing four copies of Street Wraith, obviously. It's playing four copies of Living End, obviously. It's playing two copies of Architects of Will, which it's, it's cyclable for blue or black. Then in the sideboard, you have things like Dismember, Leyline of the Void, um, the the deck plays a Bajuka Bog, the deck plays a Sunken Ruins. It's getting by with the ability to cast black spells if necessary. Uh, like, it, it's capable of doing it, right? But actually, it's, it's a mono-blue deck. The way the deck is working is, as foretold, for one blue and two colorless, this enchantment comes down, and uh, the turn you play as foretold, it can cast Living End. So if Living End is in your hand, it casts for free. Um... It's not obviously as expansive as the previous versions of Living End. The previous versions of Living End had usually eight copies of a card that would get you Living End immediately for three mana. So, but the difference being that those Jund versions of Living End that people have been playing for a long time, they're very one-dimensional. They're doing one thing. Uh, and the cards they're playing overall are not very good. Now, I would say that the cards in this blue version are significantly better. You're getting to play four copies of Cryptic Man. You're getting to play some number of copies of Remand. This list that I'm talking about, those are some of the numbers we saw. You're playing Serum Visions. Uh, one of the things that I really like about this deck is Curator of Mysteries. I've said this since the card was printed, but you know, in a, in a game of Magic cards, <laughs> when you're playing against your opponent and you resolve a 4-4 flyer for four, that's a pretty good rate. I don't know if any of you guys remember playing back in Ravnica Limited, but Moroi, the uncommon 4-4 flyer for 4 that you would lose a life during your upkeep just to have it in play, was a house. It was one of the best uncommons you could possibly get in Limited. Like, that card was insane. Obviously, that's limited, and creatures have been pushed significantly since then, but that, the fact that that's a cycler is very powerful. Um, I also really appreciate the fact that you have the Stripe River, wa River Wanderer, because a 5-5 Hexproof is no joke. 
once again, it's not as if in Jund Shadow you're getting back these four fives and five sixes and five fives, and your opponent has a good way to remove them, but Hexproof is everything. Like, Hexproof means a lot. So I really, really, really like that. Um, it plays a little... I think, I think it plays fewer threats, uh, and certainly feels like it's a little bit more of a control variant. Uh, the Search for Azkantas are interesting, and the fact that currently the deck is only playing four copies of a card that can actually get your Death Shadows into play, or your, uh, your Living Ends into play. I, I, I read her a post on the Facebook group talking about other colors that could potentially be splashed. And what it really comes down to is there's not another color you could splash in this version that would make any sense. Because the only reason you would think of in the first place splashing for another color would be to get the living end effect. So, like, let's just pretend you were going to go with the most basic thing possible and you were going to play Ardent Plea. It doesn't work because it hits your cantrips and it hits your remands. Um, you can't play this. It's not the same kind of deck. So those other ones are finely tuned where you can really go, you can go heavy on the three drop uh, uh, cascade enablers. This deck doesn't do that, which means you really have to get by with as foretold. You don't really have a better opportunity than that. And you just have to play ways to get there quickly. Um, I just like the fact that it plays an interesting 4-4 flyer for four as part of its control package and also has the combo built in. Interesting deck, very fun to toy around with. I recommend lots of you guys look it up. If you look up the Modern Challenge results, they're on the Facebook group this week. You can check those out. Otherwise, thanks for listening all year. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes of Modern. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm way behind on uploading the old episodes of this, so I will. I'll do that here in the next day or two. I'll, I'll upload the last two or three weeks of episodes of the podcast so you guys can all hear everything that I've been doing on 10 Minutes of Modern. But it, it's going to be exciting 2018. I can't wait for the Modern Pro Tour. Really looking forward to playing a little bit more modern this year. Otherwise, guys, thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Bateman Media. Let's keep talking magic every single day. Bye, guys.